want to also welcome those of you who are online and those of you listening to watching the video on our YouTube channel, LiveGate Outreach TV. Remember to subscribe if you haven't. Remember to like it, comment on it, so that we can get the word out there. And those of you who are church members, you watch it because you also review it for the discussions in the week. Don't forget, every time you like it, and every time, if you are not yet subscribed to the channel, every time you subscribe and you like, you give a propensity for more people to hear it. Last week, I was sharing in the church group how our messages have been downloaded almost 5,000 times. Our podcast, just the podcast, not including the YouTube channels, almost 5,000 times uh, in the last four years around the world. And it shows us the statistics of people in North America, South America, uh, parts of Asia, Australia, of course, a lot in Africa, mostly Nigeria, Lagos, Nigeria especially, and a lot of people in Europe. In fact, I think Nigeria exceeds the UK downloads apparently. So God is doing what he wants to do. Again, I keep saying this. This is not to make a name for somebody, but I am more than convinced that the word of God that is coming in this place, whether it's me that preached it or anybody that's been here to preach before because of the themes he gives us, I am very convinced is the word that God is sending to the body of Christ to build a strong people, a dynamic people, a ready people, not willy-nilly Christians who are, you know, just wishy-washy all over the place, people who don't know the difference between their left and right. The song I sang to you, I used to lead in worship about 26 years ago. I used to lead people in this very song I just sang to you 26 years ago. And how does God keep you going all those years, if not by his grace? That is the generation I want to see us becoming and us raising here. I know that Generation Z is very different from us. They are very different, and God is going to help us with them. Generation Z, Alpha, Beta, whatever they are called, all these young guys coming up. But you know something? God has sown and continues to sow the word in them. So, however, maybe by the time you see church in 10 years' time, it won't be as we are doing it now. Maybe I will be sat in one corner there and dancing with a T-shirt and jeans. I don't know. <laughs> in 15 years' time, Jesus starting to come. When they are in charge, we'll be doing church very differently. I can guarantee you that. But it will be the same word of God. It will be the same message. And we'll continue to see how God wants to deal with us. So please continue to do those things. We are on podcasts. You can find us, LiveGate Outreach Center. Whether you're on Android or you are on iOS platforms, you will find us there, LiveGate Outreach Center. And we are privileged to have such because not many churches, I will say boldly, not many churches of our age have kept that consistency. We compete with churches that are 40 years old, 50 years old, like the Joel Osteens of this world, the, the Faith Tabernacles, the Bishop Oedekos of this world who have been, been in ministry for 40 years. We are not competing in a bad way, but we are there every Sunday with messages like they are. We should be grateful to God that he's helping us with our nascent church that is just looking at 10 years ahead of us. So we are grateful. I was doing a calculation when Pastor Ephraim was saying earlier on that um, we have done 50 Sundays this year, which is true, which means that as a church, every Sunday we have done about 490 Sundays in this building. I thought you would put your hands together for the Lord. Hallelujah. Some of those days have been snowy. Some have been very hot that I have, I've had to take off my jacket because it was so hot. And some have been so cold like today that I'm wearing. Okay, I won't tell you what I'm wearing, but I will carry on with my message. <laughs> but through thick and thin and through rain and shine, God has been very good to us. 
And I want to just say to him alone be all the glory. So let's continue to be fired up. We have been on a series, and this is the penultimate session, on developing godly desires, sorry, on prosperity by fruitfulness. And this is session seven, titled Developing Godly Desires. God laid this very talk, topic on my mind when I read Psalm 19, verse 9 and verse 10, which is part of our series. Now, I have been concentrating a lot on Psalm 19 from verse 7 to 11, but we have been reading in the Bible reading from verse 1 to verse 14. Those of you that join online, you need to read the whole chapter. The first six verses talks about the magnanimity of God and how he put the sun in its place to give light and to just show the power of God. Then from verse 7, it starts to talk about the law of the Lord, the word of God. It starts to talk about the things that God expects us to see. And then he gets to these verses in verse 9 and 10. He starts to talk about the fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The judgments of the Lord are true and righteous. Last week we looked at the righteous judgments of God. Now verse 10 says, More to be desired, more to be desired are they than gold. Yeah, than much fine gold. Sweeter also than honey and the honeycomb. More to be desired are they than gold and fine gold. Yeah. Sweeter also than the honey and the honeycomb. And then next week, as we look at Christmas, we're going to see how verse 11 tells us that moreover by them your servant is warned, and in keeping them there is great reward. As we look at the last topic, good news to all, which is our theme for next Sunday. But... The Bible says in Psalm 19, verse 10, more to be desired are they than fine gold. More to be desired are they. These righteous judgments of God, thank you. More to be desired are they than fine gold. Yeah, than much fine gold. Sweeter also than honey and the honeycomb. I looked at the definition the dictionary definition of the word desire, and it says it is a feeling of wanting something. It is a feeling of wanting something or a feeling of desiring for or, or it's a feeling of hoping something will happen. The desire is a feeling of wanting something or a feeling of hoping that something will happen. So you are either wanting something to come to you or you are hoping that that thing will happen. That is a desire. You see, it says more to be desired are they than gold. Now, what he's saying there is what Jesus said to the devil in Matthew chapter 4, verse 4. You don't need to turn to it, but you can take off that scripture now. In Matthew 4, 4, Jesus said, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from out of, thank you, but by every word that proceeds from out of the mouth of God. Man shall not live by bread alone, by bread alone, which means that there is a need for bread. It's not that Jesus said you don't need bread at all. If you don't eat bread, your physical body will die. But the true thing that you get life from is to prefer the word that proceeds from the mouth of God more than bread. So the psalmist is saying more to be desired are the righteous judgments of God than find gold. It doesn't mean don't desire gold. It doesn't mean don't desire honey. 
And I want to make that balance. This is where we have missed the message of prosperity completely. Don't forget, I keep reminding you, this series is all about prosperity by fruitfulness. So we do talk about prosperity, but helping us to see the balance of scripture in it. So God gives us a natural affinity for material things for two reasons. Two reasons. Two reasons why we have a natural affinity for gold and bread and honey and money is that we are to enjoy them. We are to desire them in the proportion they should be desired, but enjoy them. But the second most important reason is so that we can also understand how to desire the things of God much more. You are able to love God because you love people. If you don't love people and you don't understand how to love people, there is no way you can comprehend the love of God. No way. No way. It's very, that is why the Bible says, husband, love your wives. Because a wife finds it easy to see the love of God when there is a good love she's enjoying here by her husband. All the ladies say amen. amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. If the woman is enjoying the love of her husband, it becomes easy for the husband to say, you know what? Jesus loves us. Let us submit to God. She says, yes, I understand. She will sing with you, Lord, I love you with all my heart because she's enjoying the love of the husband right here on earth. And so it is easy for us. When he says more to be desired, go back to Psalm 19 verse 10, please. When he says more to be desired are they than fine gold, yea, than fine gold, he said sweeter also than the honeycomb. What he's saying, Matthew, please follow me, Psalm 19 verse 10. He said sweeter also than the honeycomb. So it simply means that we need to understand the place of natural desires that God put there for us to desire the good things of this world, but not in the proportion of ignoring the main desire that God wants us to have, the righteous judgments of God. So the two reasons why God puts desire, a desire to want something in us, is not for covetousness. That is the devil's perversion of it. It's not to be in pursuit of things and materialism. That's not the purpose of God. But it's to understand that every good and perfect gift comes from above. And the father of lights, James 1.17. Every good and perfect gift comes from who? Above, the father of lights, in whom there is no variableness, neither a shadow of turning. So when we see good, it is God. The devil has no capacity to do anything good. I have said this too many times. The devil has no capacity to heal a person. No, he has not. When you see somebody say they use juju or charm or any of these wicked things and they say they use it to heal somebody. No, it is the mercy of God that healed that person because God does not want anybody to perish, including the man that went to the herbalist to be healed. God doesn't want him to perish. So he extends his mercy out and then the herbalist thinks that he has one power to do it. This is it. The devil, somebody say with me, the devil cannot and he will never be able to do anything good. No, that is reserved exclusively for God. When you see something good, don't ever think, no matter who it is happening to, don't ever think that that thing has come from the devil because he has no power to do so. So my point is this. But that doesn't still mean that person going to the herbalist and not giving his life to Christ is going to heaven because God extended mercy to them. There is only one way whereby men shall be saved. 
Acts chapter 4 verse 12, which is the name of Jesus. If you receive it, accept him and the gift that he was to us, then you receive salvation. Simple. So the two reasons is for us to have a reasonable desire for the good things of life he's provided and to help us to understand how to also extend that desire to God. Hallelujah. Proverbs chapter 2, verse 3 to verse 5. I want to read that very quickly. Proverbs chapter 2, verse 3 to 5. Thank you. It said, yes, if you cry out for discernment and lift up your voice for understanding. Somebody say, if I cry out for discernment and lift up my voice for understanding. That is to say, if I truly desire the things of God. Let's go to verse 4. He said, if you seek her as silver, verse 4, if you seek her as silver, you know silver, you like silver, you know silver. So if you can compare the way you seek silver and gold and those things and search for her as for the way you look for hidden treasures, then verse 5, verse 5. Let's read verse 5 together. Let's read verse 5. Everybody, let's go. Then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. The psalmist said, as the deer pants for the water brook, so my soul longs after you. Something to compare in the natural about how you should live with the supernatural. As the deer, as there is a hunger and a longing for the water brooks, so my soul longs after you. He said, if then, if you seek her the way you seek silver. Somebody said diamonds are a girl's best friend. I said, do, do, do they mean that men don't like diamonds? <laughs> If you, if you have money and you give your husband a Rolex with studded diamond on it, he will love you forever. <laughs> so it's not the man, girl's best friend at all. Whoever said that, he's not, he doesn't like men at all. <laughs> Everybody likes diamonds. Precious. Very precious they are. When you look at them, they are beautiful to behold. Very beautiful to behold. So, but why do we have a wanting of those things, a desire for those things? So that we can see that when we desire those things, there is a greater desire. The ability we give to desiring those things is what God wants us to put to desiring him. Matthew 6.33, we all know the Bible says, Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and then all these other things shall be added to you. This is where the people miss it. This is where the church has gone wrong. This is where the world has gone upside down, particularly the church. Many people in the church are seeking the other things in the name of wanting to be a blessing to the kingdom of God, which looks okay in the way it sounds, but that is not God's order. You seek first the kingdom of God. Let the kingdom of God be your priority. What is the kingdom of God? A desire to serve God. A desire to be pleasing to God. A desire to love God and to love people. Seek first the kingdom of God and then all these things shall be added to you. I have found that in my life, the more I obey God and I respond to his calling, the more I move in the direction of what he said I should do, the more I find his resources following me. I have tested this for more, almost 30 years. I have seen this happen over and over again. When I was a young engineer, just finishing four years, three years, four years graduate back in my home country, Nigeria, I found myself in a town in northern Nigeria called Kaduna. I just finished my master's. This was in the early 90s, 92, 93, thereabouts. I saw a church there just like this. And I got into the church. I suddenly found that there wasn't, there were instruments. People were not serious. And the man of God did not know whether he had a musical team or not. 
He, he one day he will come there. He's not sure whether the choir will turn up. He will be waiting for the work. And I and I've never seen such a thing. I was shocked. This was 1993. I was shocked. And then the Holy Spirit said to me, He said, Go and tell the man of God after the service that you, if he's okay with it, you will start to lead worship here. And I, I, I was new to the church, maybe two Sundays into the church or three. I said, well, I will go and tell this man. If he says no, I will tell God. You see, your son said no. So what do I do? I will just sit down and continue worshiping. As I told the man, he shook. The man is in London today. I can call him live now. If not that he's preaching, I can call him live now. He will talk to you direct and tell you the story. He's in London here. He said, Brother Dave, God, bless, God brought you here for a time like this. God bless you. Thank you so much. I've been looking for a person that will really take this on. He said, Today, and we were young people then. I was in my 20s, late 20s, and here was uh, uh, the group. He himself was just in his mid 30s then, so we we're all young people. My point is this we started like that, and then two other people you have spoken to one of them before, those of you that were here in 2020, my friend that zoomed into us at our anniversary, seventh anniversary in 2020, Pastor Hendrix Echoga, who spoke to us by Zoom, was another person. And another Adams Jones, who pastors for Pastor Chris Oyahilome today in the country of Uganda. And uh, he leads the church there. And these two guys had just come out of Bible school. Me had just finished master's and we were just there. And they came at that time. Then we, they joined and then we became the group. And then some of the older pe- people in the group that were not serious before started to come, <laughs> started to come back. And then before we knew it, we were about nine of us. And worship went to another level. And then the church started getting filled. Started getting filled. Started getting filled. Now my point is this. I was just doing what God called me to do. I was a young lecturer in a polytechnic in that town. I didn't know why God sent me there. But I saw a church that had a need. And I was sat down in... And when I did that job and things were stable and it was time for God to move me on to another town, I was sat down in my office in the polytechnic. Two men walked in one day and said to me, are you David Oloki? I said, yes. He said, our boss asked us to come and call you. I said, who is your boss? He said, he's in one place. He's the principal, he's the resident. Sorry, he's the, I'm trying to get his title. Uh, he's a partner. He's a principal partner of this company. So, 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 so. I've heard about the company maybe just once. He's the first indigenous consulting engineering company in our country. It was formed in 1970. I heard about it just once or twice. I know nobody there. He said, they, he said, we should come and call you. I said, who told you? He said, just if you don't mind, that just let us know if we should come for you tomorrow or which day you can. I said, We're ready. I'm ready today. <laughs> if it is the company that you're talking about, I'm ready today. And then they took me and they drove me to the town. When the man saw me, he said, are you David Loke? He said, yes, yeah, somebody recommended you very highly. We need a structural engineer, but somebody, so we need a civil engineer, but somebody with a structural bias. We're all water engineers here, and we don't really have a structures person. And the person told me that you are very good in structures. And who was the person? The person I used to preach to on campus two years before that time. He's a Muslim guy, and I used to tell him, come to fellowship, come to fellowship. He was the one who went there to recommend that there is a guy somewhere who's very good in structures. That is what changed my engineering career forever. Forever. 
This was the year 1994. I joined them December 94. By April 1996, I was flying the world with this man. London, France, Ethiopia, Israel. That is how God changed everything. Just by serving, serving, serving. When you seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and you desire the things of God, the things you are worried about will pursue you. I said they will pursue you in the name of Jesus. You have heard my story many times. I came to this country again. After all that, six years later, 2000, I came to this country just preaching like this. One person came and met me and said, David, I want to give you a job. I can go on and on. So if I am just saying these things out of theory, then you can say, ah, brother Dave, it's not true. But if I'm telling you my life for 30 years, then I don't know what else you can believe. <laughs> Hallelujah. The job I do now, I decide where I want to be, whether I want to be here or in Brighton or wherever I want to be, except it's just mandatory. I choose where I want to work. If God says, if you seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, all other things will be added to you. He means it. Jesus himself said it. So my point is that make the desire of the kingdom your first priority and watch what God will do. I say watch what God will do in the name of Jesus. I want to quickly tell you three things that will help you in making these godly desires. There are many other scriptures I could share on that, but because of time, I'll move on. The first thing is you should live in the fear of the Lord always. Live in the fear of God always. Romans chapter 13, verse 13 to 14. The fear of God, like we have heard over the weeks, does not mean that you are, you are afraid of God or you are so afraid. That is, that is fear that is brought by the devil. The fear of the Lord just means you want to be pleasing to God. Verse 13. Let's read it together. Thank you. Say, let us, are you reading with me now? Let's go. Let us walk properly as in the day, not in reverie and drunkenness, not in lewdness and lust, not in strife and envy. Can you see all the things he counted there? How many of those things, please put it back, how many of those things are still prevalent in the body of Christ today? I'm not talking just about our church, but how many people today are still in reverie? Just frivolous lifestyle, always chasing things that are unimportant, doing things that are unimportant. People can spend, they can spend 1,000, 2,000 doing things that are unimportant. But when it comes to the things of God, they will spend 5 pounds and 10 pounds and 50 pounds and look as if they have done God a favor. <laughs> I don't know that kind of world. No, I cannot. I cannot go on a holiday that cost me 5,000 pounds if I have, if I can't give God 10,000. No, I can't do that. No, 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 I can't. Because some holidays cost you that much. When I move my, my troop, <laughs> at times, when we go for some holidays, my troop like that, you know my troop? Yeah, you know them? <laughs> when we go like that, it's not a few thousands. When we sit down in some of those hotels to eat, everybody is happy, clapping me, my credit card, I'm looking at how the number is going, ting, 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 ting. <laughs> because one meal like that can easily be 150 pounds, 180 pounds, one meal. And we are there for seven days or six days. <laughs> Hallelujah. But I don't go and spend that kind of money if I have not done much more for my God. Before I take that kind of rest, because I saw the pattern. Jesus, God walked, God now walked for six days, then he rested on the seventh. So you put in more work, you rest. The work you put in is about impact, kingdom impact, like he did for six days. Then yes, take your time, rest. 
However level God gives you, if the holiday that God gives you is just to go to, uh, 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 what do you call this, uh, park lodge, or what do you call this, uh, travel lodge, <laughs> to go to travel lodge and be there with your wife, my friend, go there and enjoy yourself. Go and go leave home for two nights, three nights. Go there, sit down in travel lodge <laughs> and enjoy yourself. <laughs> enjoy yourself. It's holiday. Hallelujah. There is no, nothing that says you have to travel to a particular country to do holiday. It's just to take a break. Then when God gives you capacity to do more, yeah, do more. Do more. Enjoy it. But not because you, you, you just save to go and do holiday. Nothing for the kingdom. No desire to see lives transformed. No desire to be a blessing to somebody else. No desire to be a regular contributor to the things of God. No, that is not God's plan. We must live in the fear of God. He said, let's not walk in that kind of fibrous lifestyle, reverie. Put it back for me, Romans 13, 13. Let's not walk in lewdness and lust. People still walking in lust, lust for things, lust for passion things in terms of sexual desires, inordinate sexual desires, lust for money, lust for wealth, lust for position. Many believers today are lusting after all those things. He said, let's not do that. They are in strife, in envy. Do you know that many people that hate you don't hate you because you did them anything? Am I speaking to somebody here? They don't hate you because you did them anything. They're just envious. Envy makes people hate other people. I have seen where people hate pastors, not because the pastors did them anything, but they just envy them. How can you have it? Only you. You have this, you have that, you have this, you have that. They are chopping our money. (laughs) You must be chopping our money. And the man doesn't touch, he doesn't even know how the money gets there. doesn't touch it. But God is blessing him because he's in obedience. And everybody who is walking in the same obedience will be blessed as well. So there is no place for envy when you have God as your reverence and he is blessing you, he is showing you his strength. God is my witness. I am not saying this to boast. There is no human being on this earth today that I wish I was. There is nobody. Do I not have people I respect and regard and I look up to for their mentorship? Loads of them in ministry, in academics, in engineering, I have loads of them. This is my boss that I said he sent for me in 1994. Today, he's still a big mentor to me in engineering. He lives in Canada now. If I have anything contractual, because he's so experienced, if I have anything contractual and it's not going well, he's the first person I'll say, engineer this, I have, I have a question for you. Till today, till today, even though I have mentored several others myself and I'm still mentoring more, my point is this. Put God first. Number 14. Romans 13, verse 14. Romans 13, verse 14. He said, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh. Make no provision for the flesh. Tell your neighbor for me, make no provision for the flesh. Don't fulfill its lusts. Have you said that? Don't fulfill its lusts. No matter who you are, the lust of the flesh are there. The pride of life, the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, you will keep dealing with them till you leave this world. This is why I say to men, when you watch pornography, even with your wife, what you are doing is filling yourself with lust and it will give you problem. Don't do it. Don't do it. Stop doing it. You can't tell me that you are anointed and then you see another naked woman that is not your wife and you will not keep remembering what you saw. You are deceiving yourself. <laughs> I know you don't like me for saying that, but uh, I will say it all the same. <laughs> you are deceiving yourself. You don't need to do that. You want to pleasure yourself? God put it there. Go to him. 
it's, it's, a sancti, it's a sanctimonious thing. It's a lovely thing. Sit together. Talk about it. Tell each other about your feelings. Tell each other because of a general crowd. I won't go into too much details, but this is the reality. Talk about it. Don't be shy about it. You don't talk about it. You just sit down. When it comes to that topic, the two of you are holy. And then you are wondering why you are not enjoying. You know, I'm speeding very coded now. Only those who are at that level understand what I'm saying. <laughs> you can, it doesn't, that one doesn't jump. It's not a gift. Did you see any spiritual gift of you and your wife? Hey, okay, so why do you treat it as one? It's not the type that the Holy Spirit gives as he wills. It takes sense. It takes communication. It takes adaptation. It takes understanding. It takes patience. It takes sincerity. You put all those things in the mix. And then love. Service each other with love consistently. Buy things for each other. Sweeten the home. Make it a good environment. So all those things come together to make it work. That is very, very high level talking. (laughs) And I pray you understand. In the name of Jesus. But don't let lust come in. Don't give lust any room whatsoever. You go and sit in front of a so-called therapist who has married four times. And you say, we want marriage counseling. Do you want them to counsel you about how to dissolve your own marriage? (laughs) You say, we have tried everything. Even pastors did not help us. But we heard that you are an expert. The man said, yeah. You see, when I had my second wife, that was the problem. (laughs) That's the time you should just pack your bag. You say, thank you very much. (laughs) At least I still have this one. We have not fallen apart yet. (laughs) Let's go to God to help us. Those things will only introduce lusts. Don't give them room. The Bible says in Psalm 145 verse 19, he will fulfill the desire of those who fear him. He will fulfill the desire of those who fear him. When you fear God, there is a desire that he will fulfill. Open Psalm 37 verse 4. Go to, thank you. That's Psalm 145 verse 19. Open to Psalm 37 verse 4. Psalm 37 verse 4. He said, delight yourself also in the Lord and he shall give you the desires of your heart. God knows the good thing that you should have. Friends, when something is good for you, God will not deny you. Psalm 89 verse 11. The Lord God is a son and is a shield. He will give grace and glory. No good thing. Psalm 89. Is that Psalm 89 verse 11? Am I, if I quoted correctly? Psalm 89 what is it? Verse 20. I'm looking for the Lord God is a sun and shield. Please help me look for it. He said the Lord... Thank you. What? Find it for me. Psalm 89. He said the Lord God is a sun and shield. No good thing. Try verse 10. Verse 10. No good thing with he, will he withhold from them that walk uprightly. I'll look for it for you. Don't worry about that now. Don't worry about that now. Psalm 84. Psalm 84. Thank you. Verse 11. 84. Sorry. Psalm 84 verse 11. The Lord God is a sun and shield. He will give grace and glory. Thank you very much. No good thing will he withhold from those who walk uprightly. Look at it very well. No good thing. Everything good is your portion. But the first thing he wants you to know is that you just need to walk uprightly. Walk in the fear of God. He knows what you need per time. He knows what you need per time. And I'm telling you this, he will give it to you without you struggling, without you breaking your head, without you going to debt, without you doing things that are beyond you to try and prove a point. You don't need it. No good thing. Somebody say, no good thing will God withhold from me as I walk uprightly. 
So your duty and my duty is to walk uprightly. He is a son. He is a shield. He gives grace. He gives glory. You know those two things? One is ability to do. The other one is supernatural protection over you. That's glory. Grace, ability to do. The other one, supernatural protection over you that makes you excel regardless of what is thrown at you. That is glory. The one that makes you succeed regardless of the economy. That is glory. The one that takes you further when it looks as if the doctor says it can't happen. That is glory. The Lord God is a son and is a shield. He will give grace and glory. No good thing will he withhold from them that walk uprightly. I always, when I want to quote this scripture, I always quote Psalm 89 verse 20 with it. That's why I was mixing them up. Psalm 89 verse 20, you don't need to turn to it. He said, he respects the covenant. He will never break it. He will never break it. Hallelujah. Friends, God knows. So the, the message of prosperity must be balanced. It's not about seeking after things. But you need certain things to function very well. Do you know that, have you noticed that there is less trouble in a family when money is available? Have you noticed? Couples fight less. I'm telling you. There is very little fight when this money is flowing. <laughs> Everybody is, oh, lovely. <laughs> when money is lacking, <laughs> all kinds of problems enter. I'm not asking you to be covetous. But I'm just getting us to see the balance. That's why God needs to give you, he will not withhold that good thing. Because he knows that when you are fighting your husband or your wife, and you are not in agreement, you cannot pray together, your, your service to God will be altered. You are in the service, and like Joyce Meyer would say, <laughs> those days, in her earlier days, when she, she was just coming up, she said, she would lift up her hands and say, Lord, I love you, my soul sings, but don't listen to this guy, he's very, very bad. <laughs> that is her husband. <laughs> And she's worshipping. He's very, very mean to me. <laughs> she's worshipping God, but telling God not to listen to her husband. And he <laughs> God knows you will do all those things. So anything good he gives to you, he makes it work for you. You don't have to be millionaires to enjoy your family. You just need God's gifts, God's wisdom. I told you, my wife has told you, I've told you before, when I used to give her five pounds, when I just came to this country, I'll give her five pounds to make soup for us. I mean, five pounds is the equivalent of maybe 30 pounds today. Oh, no, 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 maybe 20 pounds today. Yeah. This was the year 2000. And she would go into Asda and buy peanut butter. Peanut butter. She would buy it. The real peanut butter that you put on bread. And then she would buy chicken wings, one pound. And she would mix it together, put it together, then buy some semolina, and we all eat it, including all these ones that you see looking at me like this. All of us ate it together. <laughs> Even the one that was not born, she ate it in the womb. <laughs> but that was a stage of life. That was a stage of life. And we enjoyed it. We still gave. Our church was raising offering in that condition. They were raising offering. They said if anybody, the church we were in then, in Wolverhampton. They say, if anybody is here, one, one chair will cost 25 pounds. If you can just buy one chair, that will be good. If you can buy two, if you can buy three, whatever has ever God lays on your heart. My income at that time was 500 pounds. That was my stipend. My wife could not work much because she was expecting our second child. And you know, I was sat down there. My wife was sat down here. God ministered to me, said, you will buy 10 chairs. That's 250 pounds. 250 pounds. 
Say you buy 10 chairs. I didn't say anything to my wife. That's how we've always done. When we reach home, I say, what did God say to you? He said, I don't know how to tell you this. <laughs> I say, what is it? She said, just tell me. He said, can we do 10 chairs? I said, that's exactly what God said to me. He said, ah, there's no need to argue. When my money came in the next month, we didn't even waste time. We just took 250 pounds, put it inside there. So that you will understand that the journey of faith is not until you have everything that you think you need. It's not. To the glory of my God, at times, that 250 pounds in this place, at times, not every time, at times, that is my offering for the week. At, or not tight, oh, not tight. And I've done that for years. You can ask the accountant. They have the records. Today, by the grace of God, and I'm waiting for that day where I will put down 1,000 pounds per service. 1,000, 1,000, 1,000. You don't want it for yourself. You better say amen for yourself. In the name of Jesus. Because that simply means God promotes you and he has elevated you further. No good thing will he withhold from them that walk uprightly. I know when we talk like this, the devil goes mad. You see all these pastors talking money, money, money. Yes, money, we will talk about it in the right way. But money will not be Lord over us. As we serve God, money pursues us. I say as we serve God, money pursues us. I have a website that promotes my business. I check it maybe twice in a year just to make sure that they have not pulled it down. I don't know what is on there. I put pictures of past projects from time to time. My projects come to me. God will make people, clients all over the place. Somebody called me three days ago. Say, somebody gave me your number. I asked who the person is. I said, oh, this person. Said, they gave me your number. At times I will ask, who is this person? They say, this, they will mention the name of a person. I can't even remember the person. If God is not committing to a thing in that practical way, you tell me what it means to you. Live in the fear of God always. Delight yourself in the Lord. He shall give you the desires of your heart. Everything that God knows you need, he will give to you. The job you need, he will give to you. When we started the church in 2013, I was a bit concerned. I used to travel a lot. My university sends me to different places, different times. I say, Lord, some people were even my Some of my friends even laughed at me. I saw one of them about three weeks ago at a function. He laughed at me. He said, David, is it you that you don't stay in one place? How can you be a pastor of one church? I said, I don't know. That's what God said. <laughs> He's a doctor. He's a big GP now. He said, I don't know how you're going to do this. I said, I don't know, but that's what God asked me to do. But do you know that since 2013, God orchestrated my job roles in such a way that I travel when I like. There was a time in 2017 that would have been very tempting. They gave me this project that you do now in, in Hong Kong. They gave it to me. Do you know, I'm a, I was a senior lecturer. Nobody asks you a question. They will just give you and tell you that's your job. You go and do it. They came back to me and said, we considered that because of your commitment to church on a weekend, this is what my line manager said to me. Are you sure you want to do this Hong Kong? I said, don't worry. I said, it's just one or two weekends in a year or three weekends at the most. I said, that's fine. I'll cope with it. Because they have been gracious to me. They have been kind to me. Through God, and I am sure because God knows that I need that job to support what he's doing here. So he orchestrates all the things there for me to happen. I am telling you my life not so that I want to boast. It's just because I'm telling you these are scriptures that they are really working. And they will work for you. In the name of Jesus. Don't let the desire for gold take the place of God. Desire God. Desire God. Desire God. Gold will come. Desire God. Gold will pursue you. In the name of Jesus. 
I lie not about these things. I lie not. When I need it, whatever I need, God brings it my way. When I, the last car, my car now, when I bought it, they were telling me the features it has. You know, when the sales rep stands in front of you, the only thing they don't tell you is that the car can fly. <laughs> they will tell you it has this feature, it has that feature. So most of it, you are not listening. You, you are just concerned about the money you are going to pay, isn't it? You don't listen to money of the things. But I remember the guy was telling me that it has uh, fog-sensitive lights. I said to myself, is it not full lamp? And dim. All these things we know from ordinary cars. What is fog light? <laughs> it's just full light and dim and packing light. That is what I've known my father use and I've been using. What are you telling me fog light? Until three weeks ago, I was most of the time I walk like this and you are seeing me preaching like this. This time tomorrow, most of the time I'm in Brighton. Most of the time, having done two meetings. So what happens? is that I live at night. I live at about 9 p.m. It's a three-hour drive. The roads are clear. I like it. I put my car on cruise control. It just drives cool. I just make sure I'm not sleeping because it can just drive you cool like that and drive you away. So <laughs> I take a lot of coffee to just make sure. But I'm virtually watching the car drive itself at times for 30 minutes because it's just quiet. Then three weeks ago, I saw this fog light thing that the man was talking about. Some of your cars will have it. Then it got clear to me. The fog was so thick, I couldn't see where Brother John is standing there on the road. And you have to be moving quickly. It's a motorway. I noticed that when there is no car coming, the lights come on with so much power and intensity and diffuses the fog and then you can see clearer than normal. I say, ah, no wonder this man <laughs> talked about this thing. The car by itself, it just did all those things. Then I saw almost half a mile ahead of me. I said, what? <laughs> then when a car is coming, my direction, so as not to blind their eyes, it blinds everything again, puts it down, cool, and points it to the ground. I say, hey, this is wonder. <laughs> as soon as the car passes me, it does all that is magic again. Can you see now? I say, Yeah. <laughs> When you are calling me, when I want to call you, I just say ring. I just say, hey, Mercedes, ring Dr. Ephraim. And you see, we just look for your number. You say, is it down like that? <laughs> That's how he calls your name. <laughs> if it's okay, you can say, okay, yeah, in car. I say, yeah, whatever you call it, just call him for me. <laughs> Hallelujah. But it makes life easy for me. It makes it possible for me to do all the things I do. That is why I'm waiting for the driverless one. God sees my heart. <laughs> I am seriously waiting for that car to be available and God help me to get it away. I will wait till 1 a.m. before I leave here and I will just sleep till we get there. Say, God help you, Pastor David. <laughs> but you know something? Ten years ago, I had a good car as well, but it didn't serve me. It, didn't, it wasn't as convenient as this. When God gives you an assignment and God gives you more to do, he helps you. And I don't, I, I'm not struggling to to have that car. Every resource that is needed to make me use that car is supplied by God every time per se, steady, steady, steady to the glory of my God. I don't have to look into church funds for it. I don't have to look into anything for it because God will surely back you when you live in the fear of the Lord always. In the name of Jesus, tell your neighbor for me, go for God. Gold will come after you. 
Number two, live an active lifestyle of prayer and meditation. We talk about this a lot. What prayer does for you is that it helps you to communicate with God. Psalm 119 verse 10. It said, with my whole heart, I have sought you. I pray to you. Oh, let me not wander from your commandments. When you are in active prayer and meditation, what God does for you is that he helps you to see his commandment and have a continuous fear of God, reverence for the things of God. Psalm 119 verse 10. He said, with my whole heart, with my whole heart, don't seek him with part of your heart. Don't seek him partially. Seek him with your whole heart. Let your commitment to God be whole. Let it be total. This has been my experience when you are truly saying, Lord, I am not in this for anything. I am ready to be called any name for your sake. I am ready to suffer anything for your sake. The church I told you about in 1993, we used to print, we used to paste posters at night when the man of God wants to hold a crusade. We are the young people in the church. I will lead about two or three guys. Those guys were in their teenage that time. When people are sleeping, this was Kaduna, northern Nigeria, where if they caught you, they kill you. They kill you. They kill you. You promote gospel, they kill you. This was northern Nigeria, Kaduna. I have friends that have died like that. For the sake of this gospel, we will go at night. I told them the secret. One person will carry the starch. Another one will hold the poster. The one with the starch will spray it and run away. The one with the poster will come quickly, paste it and run away before they come out so that at least before 9 a.m. and they start tearing them down, people would have seen. There was no social media. This was 1993, 92, 93. I was a lecturer with a master's degree in the polytechnic. They could kill me. But because of this gospel? So if you envy me today, you are a witch. You are a wizard. You are a wizard. You don't know what I'm paying. You don't know what I'm paying right now. What are you telling me? You think I just started wearing suit like this? This time I was thinking, I didn't even have one suit. But the church wants to preach. They want to save people. They want to do deliverance service for people. I would ask them, go and print the printers. We would go every night like that. Different areas would target. So that before 9 a.m., 10 a.m., and those rascals would come around. At least a few people would have seen it. Then they come to church. So somebody just sit down today and open his mouth. See all these pastors. They write messages best. They do this thing. God will judge you. He will judge you. He will judge you. We are suffering for this gospel. We have suffered. We are still suffering today. Do you know the insults I still get today from people that have poured my life out, helped, spent my money, spent my time, denied my family things for their sake, and yet they despitefully use me? Do you know the number of people that have lied against me? Scandalize, try to scandalize my name? Do you know how many I deal with? So, my dear brothers and sisters, I am only telling you, you want gold... You want gold? You want God committed to your matters? Serve him with your whole heart. Have nothing to hold. Have nothing to hide. Pray joyfully from your heart. When they call for prayer, be eager to be there. Don't pray because it is convenient. Nobody prays out of convenience. Everybody prays out of inconvenience. Nobody serves God out of when it is plenty and easy. Everybody makes time. Go and ask anyone who is serving God. They will tell you they walk it. 
intentionally. We are a generation that is used to convenience. We like convenience a lot. When it's not good, we don't bother. When it's good, it's fine. Let's not do that. Let's live an active lifestyle of prayer, meditating on the word of God. Jeremiah 29, 11, he said, And you will seek me and find me when you search me with all your heart, with all your heart, with all your heart, with all your heart. Have nothing held back. Jeremiah 29, 13. Jeremiah 29, 13. Don't hold back. Don't hold back. I saw my father serve God for the 86 years he lived on this planet. He served him to the last moment. We built him a big house at home. When he saw the house being built, he said, David, this is what we're going to do. I'm going to host a fellowship. He said, this living room you put here is too big. (laughs) He said, I'll be having fellowship here. I said, I did not ask you to put fellowship there. You have your church. Go there. This house should be for relaxation for you. For many years until he could not do it again, people came to his house to do Bible study. They came there to do Bible study. I saw him as a teenager. Every Thursday, he gathered young people to the house to, to learn the Bible. Some of those men were drunkards. Their friends would bring them. My mother would cook, pound yam. This is Nigeria in the 80s. She would pound yam, make soup, just to encourage them to come. These people would come from work, about 16 of them at a time. They would bring the church boss. Some of them never had the gospel. They don't come on a Sunday, some of them, but they came to that place because there is pounded yam there on Thursday. <laughs> or some of those men today, I have them on social media. I can give you their contacts. And I will tell you, I will let them tell you this story by themselves. I saw my father do it all his life. I saw my grandfather. I heard my grandfather. I didn't see him at that time. My grandfather in the 60s bought land all over Lagos for the Evangelical Church Winning Christ. They used to be called Evangelical Church of West Africa. He bought land, fought for the land. They took some of it from him. He managed to keep some. All the Equa churches, a lot of them, in the very remote areas of Lagos today, were bought, they were built on land that my grandfather, my, that my mother's father bought with his own money to preserve this gospel because he was one of the first people to be converted by the Sudan Interior Mission in the early 1900s. We are not jokers. May God help you to serve him in the name of Jesus. Number three, keep making godly choices every time. I told you live in the fear of God. Live an active prayer life, an active meditation life. And then that will help you to keep making godly choices. You see, every day, every time, you have opportunity to make a choice. Do you understand? When you woke up this morning, you are here because you chose to be here. Have you ever heard that voice many times that say, don't you just need to chill out today? Just chill out. Join online. (laughs) You heard that voice? Have you ever heard it before? It's only me that don't hear that voice because he knows he's useless to me. But I'm sure every other person hears it. I'm sure every other person hears chill out. He knows that one is useless to me because it's a waste of time. So he doesn't say that kind of thing to me again. (laughs) But the truth is that everybody hears it. But when you say, no, I choose to go, what you have done is you have chosen. You have done the godly choice. Always remember, there was a story in Luke chapter 10, the story of Mary and Martha. Martha invited Jesus home. Luke 10 from verse 38 to 42. Jesus was invited by Martha to his house. And you know what happened? Martha did not even sit down. She just started running about. 
running about, doing things. And then she saw Mary. Look at that. He said, now it happened as they entered a certain village, a certain woman named Martha. Martha was the one that welcomed him into her house. Let's go very quickly, verse 39. Verse 39. Quickly, 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 go with me. Verse 39. Let's go now, everybody together. And she had a sister called Mary, who also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. This is very important. She chose the good part by sitting at Jesus' feet to hear his word. And I'll come back to that. But let's read verse 40. Verse 40. Quickly, quickly, verse 40. Let's go together. But Martha was distracted. Again, read it. But Martha was distracted. Again, read it. But Martha was distracted with much serving. And she approached him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Therefore, tell her to help me. She was distracted. When you look at this story, you will say, ah, but she was trying to do something good. Is it not to try and entertain Jesus Christ? She was trying to do something good. So what is wrong with being distracted? Look at what Jesus said. Go to verse 41. And I will tell you what God expects when we are to choose in serving. This is the important thing that many people miss. And Jesus, let's go together. And Jesus answered and said to her, Martha, Martha, you are worried and troubled about many things. He didn't say, Martha, Martha, you are serving. You can call it serving, but Jesus said, you are worried and troubled about many things. And then verse 42, everybody, don't get tired, verse 42. He said, but one thing is needed, and Mary has chosen that good part, which will not be taken away from her. What is that one thing? She sat down at Jesus' feet and was listening. You know why that is the best thing to do? Serving without listening is frustration, is worry, is anxiety. This is why many people are fading out of ministry today. They don't hear the word of God. They don't know the word of God. So they are serving, which looks religious, but then they are getting tired by the day because they are doing religion like matter. If you sit at his feet and you are hearing his word and he's blessing you, is it not the same conversation you will say now, Master, what will you like to eat? You get my point? Mary would now be able to say, Lord, what will you like to eat? Then the Lord will say, whatever, I don't want to call any food for Jesus Christ. <laughs> Then the Lord will say whatever he wants to eat. That is a better way to serve. Many Christians today are doing religion in the name of service. When you see people just fade out, just die off, just, I mean, just, just, just get frustrated. They are serving, but they are not connected to the master. Jesus said one thing is needed. One thing is needed. Mary has chosen that good part. When you learn how to sit at the feet of the master, there are two things he will be doing for you. He'll be showing you about his kingdom and telling you your part in it. He'll be showing you about the kingdom and telling you your part in it. When you have these two things, you can never be tired. You understand the kingdom, you see the importance of the kingdom, and then you see the importance of your role because every one of us, we are like lively stones fitted together to build a holy house for God. 1 Peter 2, 5. We are all like living stones, so everybody is important. So when you sit at the foot of the master to understand the master, it starts to tell you, this is my kingdom. This is what I expect of everyone out of the great commission to go and preach the gospel. This is your part. This is why I don't do certain things because it's not my part. And I do some things whether anybody is happy or not because it is my part. And when you understand how God puts you in the place to serve in your part, you can never be tired. 
Psalm 119 verse 133, it says, Direct my steps by your word and let no iniquity have dominion over me. This is Psalm 119 verse 133. The more we study the word of God, the easier we make godly choices. God wants us to make godly choices all the time. You will always be faced with making choice at every time. One will be godly, one will be ungodly. There is no choice that is neutral. And I'm not saying every godly choice means that you are doing something in the name of ministry. No. No. It just means you are doing what God expects of you. At times, a godly choice is to sleep. You have been walking and walking and walking and walking. And the Holy Spirit said, it's time for you to rest, sleep. You say, no, I want to walk some more. You have decided to follow your own body and your own flesh. Teach me the way of your statutes and I shall keep it to the end. That is a good one, but I'm looking for verse 133. Psalm 119, verse 133. 133. 133. It says, direct my steps by your word and let no iniquity. Thank you. Let no ungodliness come over me. Colossians 3.1 says, if you then are raised with Christ, seek those things which are above where Christ is. Seek those things which are above where Christ is, sitting at the right hand of God. Friends, anybody that tells you that there is a magic formula to serving God or that there is a way or there is any other thing, I've told you a lot about my life because what you see is what you get. My wife is the first person to tell you. My children can tell you. I tell you, challenge. You see them from time to time. Ask them if I have a different life. Ask them if I'm telling you lies here. Ask them if I'm not doing what I'm saying. Ask, I'm, I give you permission to ask any question about me from my family members. And they are honest people. Especially my wife. My wife, no, you know, she doesn't hide anything. She'll just tell you as it is. <laughs> that is the truth. So I am not standing here trying to harass or, or do some of these things our youngsters talk about this day. I'm not trying to gaslight you. <laughs> not gaslighting you at all. I'm telling you truth. Practical experience, truth. You want God in this country? There was a time in this country I did not have a car. I would be walking to church. My wife was pregnant. Buses did not start on time. So I would tell her to go and wait at the bus stop just 15 minutes before time because it was weather like this, very cold. I would wear all my jackets, wearing it. My eldest son, I would put him on my shoulder. We were waiting for the second one then. I would put my eldest son on my shoulder and we'll be walking. In the cold, we'll be walking. He was three years old. We'll be walking in the cold like that. 25 minutes, 30 minutes to get to church. When I get to church, I warm myself up and get ready for the service of the day. Start serving, start serving. One day, somebody looked at me in April 2001. He said, Brother Dave, God laid it on my heart to give you a car. I said, I'm happy to buy it, man of God. He said, No, 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 no. I was trying to be humble and religious. <laughs> Trying to be very humble and religious. I said, man of God, no, give me a whole car. I said, no, I'm happy to pay. I said, I'll only be paying small, 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 small. <laughs> he said, no. He's going to, he was going back to Nigeria to take up a very, very important position in government. And he said to me, God told me expressly to give you this car. I said, sir, that God will continue to bless you. Because I need a car. When I got that car, it became church taxi. Stand to your feet.